Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What were some of the most important events in your life? What events changed everything? What events happened that after that, things were never the same again? Was it your marriage? Maybe your first child? Graduation? Your first car? There was an event that happened to you that changed everything. You were given the keys to the car. The doctors handed you the newborn. You said, I do. Those events changed everything. And now everything is different. And it feels like if you go back, to step backward in life. For example, you get a certain amount of freedom when you get your first car. And many feel like they lose their freedom when that car is taken away. Important events. Well, in our epistle reading, Paul is instructing the Galatians about the law. The law was intended to be temporary and to have a specific purpose. It's temporary because something happened. There has been a life-changing event, and now everything is different. So in our reading from Galatians, Paul sketches a before and after picture. First, he describes the way that things used to be under the law, and then Paul tells us what has changed, what happened to change everything, and what's now the case. And Paul does this for two reasons. He does this to instruct us about what the law is and how we relate to it. So first, Paul talks about our time under the law. He sets, uh, he uses this by talking about two images. First, the law is like a jailer who imprisons us. And then the law is like a guardian whose discipline is harsh and severe. Now, a guardian here is a slave whose job it was to make sure the children got to and from school, um, to make sure they didn't get any, into any trouble along the way. Um, he, they, uh, that slave governs the behavior of the child from nursery to adulthood. Um, we might say babysitter, or if you're a fan of Jane Austen, a strict governess. That's the kind of image that, the, uh, that we're given here. So what does it mean? What, how is the law like a jailer or a guardian? First, it helps us to know what the law is. What are we talking about? The law tells us what? It tells us the will of God. It tells us what to do and what not to do. And it threatens to punish all who break God's commandments. And the problem is, we have all done that. We have all broken God's commandments. And so we deserve 
the law's sentence, its condemnation. We are all under sin, and therefore, we are all under the law. And so the law, because we have sinned, places a curse on us. And there's nothing that we can do to escape. Like a jailer, the law has thrown us in prison. Everyone, without exception, is a prisoner under the law's sentence. It means that we will one day have our day in court before the judge, and we have to give account for our sins and pay the penalty for them. And there is no one on earth who can deny their guilt. The purpose of the law, why do we have the law? It's to show us what we are really like underneath it all. The sinful, rebellious, guilty people that we are. Helpless to save ourselves. The law helps us see what we cannot see in ourselves. The law shows us that you cannot inherit eternal life by obeying the rules. We need the gospel because we cannot keep the law. That's why Paul adds the time reference. Did you see it in the text? Look at verse 23. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Again, in verse 24, the law was our guardian until Christ came. Do you see the time, the time stamp? The, law, the work of the law is temporary. It's only for a short period of time, and it's not intended to hurt you. Its purpose is to shut you up in prison until Christ can set you free. Its purpose is to put you under a guardian until Christ makes you a son. What does this mean? It means we cannot skip the law and go straight to the gospel. One big problem in our churches throughout the world is the tendency to go light on sin and judgment. But sin and judgment, that doesn't make us feel good, Pastor. A sermon that goes hard on sin is hard to hear. And some of you have expressed that to me, and I'd agree with you. But isn't that exactly why people don't appreciate the gospel these days? People cannot see the beauty of the gospel if they have not already seen the horror of their own sin. No one has ever appreciated the gospel until the law has come and exposed them for what they really are. You cannot appreciate the cure for cancer if the doctor doesn't come up to you and say, I'm sorry, you are full of cancer and you've got days to live. <laughs> right? If you don't have cancer, you'll be like, that's great, doc. I'm glad you have the cure for cancer. I don't need that. Thanks. But somebody else does. Right? The law comes and exposes the sickness inside each of us. You can only see the stars in the sky because there is a black night to contrast. It's only against the blackness of our sin and judgment that the gospel can truly shine forth. So, not until the law has arrested and imprisoned us for our sins will we long for Christ to set us free. Not until the law has condemned us and sentenced us to death will we long for Christ to forgive us and give us new life. 
It's not until the law has driven us to despair of ourselves that we will ever believe in Jesus. Now, the goal is not to leave us under the law. (laughs) Is that how we do it? You are all filthy, rotten sinners. Amen. And I walk out of the pulpit. Is Is that how it works? No, we know that's not how it works. So what changed it all? God sent forth His Son. The purpose of the law is to convict us of sin. Why? So that we will be driven to Jesus. The law cannot save you, but Christ can, and He does. With the death of Jesus, everything changes. It's like one of those life-changing events that we talked about at the beginning. The crucifixion of Christ is what has purchased your redemption. If the law keeps you imprisoned, it's only Christ who can set you free. He can free us from the law because He was made a curse for us. Paul says just a little bit earlier in that chapter. Because of Jesus, the law cannot condemn and imprison you any longer. The law is not your guardian who strains, restrains, and chastens you anymore. God sent His Son to purchase your freedom from slavery. Jesus was sent so that, your, so that freedom could be won and that slaves could be turned into sons. Jesus does not only free you from the law, but He forgives you and adopts you into His family. God's now your Father who has accepted and forgiven you in Christ. You don't need to fear God. Do not dread the punishment that you deserve. We, were, we are not prisoners awaiting a final execution. We're not minors underneath the care of a guardian. What are we then? We are forgiven, adopted sons of God and heirs of His glorious kingdom. We enjoy the status and privilege of grown-up sons. Why does it say sons and not children? Because in that world, sons were heirs. So it gives us that status. Since we are no longer under the jurisdiction of the law, we're spiritually of age. We've grown up. We are matured adults, spiritually speaking. The babysitter services are no longer required. We have entered into a beautiful relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. How? Through faith in Christ. Faith is laying hold of Jesus personally. Faith doesn't have any merit to it. It's not a work that you do. The value is not in faith. The value is in what faith clings to, and that's Jesus. He has the value. Faith saves because you cling to Jesus by it. Luther put it this way, faith apprehends nothing else but the precious jewel of Christ Jesus. See, Christ is the bread of life and faith feeds on Him. Christ was lifted up on the cross and faith gazes upon Him there. Now we are not baptized Christians. We are not under the law. That means we're not condemned by it and we're not imprisoned by it. It means 
that you don't have to earn your earn God's favor by keep trying to keep all the rules. We are in Christ. That means we're connected to Him, united to Him by faith. Despite your grievous law-breaking, God has accepted you for Christ's sake. Now, how do you know? How do you know that God has accepted you? How do you know God has forgiven you? How do you know you have that strange, mystical, spiritual connection with Jesus? Paul tells us, baptism. Baptism. We were all baptized into Christ. We have become the children of God by faith through the sacrament of baptism. When we were baptized, we were baptized into Christ. Our baptism is the the means whereby we are united with Jesus. All the benefits that Jesus has won for you upon the cross, forgiveness of sins, adoption into God's family, those are given to you and applied to you in holy baptism. We have entered into an intimate relationship with Christ. Why? Because we we have put on Christ. We are clothed with Him, clothed with His innocence, righteousness, his wisdom and power, his salvation. And Paul also says that we are all Abraham's heirs. God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And he did so after Abraham was wondering who his son and heir would be. And God replied with the promise of a vast family that no one could number. And Paul's point is that all of the baptized are part of that family. That you, dear Christian, are part of Abraham's family. We are part of God's family, and every reason we might have for boasting is gone, removed. We are all one in Christ. Salvation is equal for everybody. There is no advantage because of your race or your social status or uh, your sex. We are all completely dependent on God. We all need the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus to be forgiven. That's what unites us, not what makes us different. We're all full members of Abraham's family as if we were all Abraham's eldest son and heir. That's why we are called heirs. And if Abraham was promised the world, that is what you inherit. You get the world. You're not heirs by nature. You're not heirs because you deserve it. You're certainly not heirs because you kept the law and were good boys and girls. You're only heirs by God's mercy because he promised it to you. Your inheritance is righteousness before God, everlasting life, salvation, a new heavens and a new earth. Why? Because God made a promise, and that's it. Not by works of the law, but by faith. That inheritance is yours. So it would be a terrible insight to Christ, our Savior, if we would voluntarily put ourselves under the law with the idea that we can earn brownie points with God if we just keep the rules. This passage challenges each of us 
find comfort in what God has already graciously done for you in Jesus. He's forgiven you your, your sins. He's adopted you into his family, made you an heir. If you think you can earn God's favor, or you get special brownie points every time you go to church or read your Bible or pray, then you're still under the law. You're still under its curse. You don't need to do anything to win God's favor. He's already on your side. He sent His Son to die for you on the cross. He has adopted each one of us into His family. He sends His Holy Spirit to tenderly assure us that God is our Father, our Daddy. What more do you need to prove that God is on your side? So in our text this morning, Paul paints a picture, and it contrasts our time under the law and the new conditions we have in Jesus. Those who are under the law are in custody. They're like prisoners in jail or children under a babysitter. We cannot come to Christ to be forgiven unless the law has first thoroughly condemned us. But once we have gone to the law, once we acknowledge our sin and our guilt and our condemnation, we must not stay there. If we stay under the law, we're enslaved. We would not know what it means to be forgiveness. It'd be really sad to stay in prison or in the nursery when we could be adults and free and walking about. Our time under the law ends with Jesus. We relate to God not on the basis of what we do, but on the basis of what Jesus has done for us in our place. Because of Christ, God has promised to forgive us, adopt us as heirs of all of the promises. In baptism, you have put on Christ like a robe. You are covered with his perfection and his holiness. And if you are in Christ, you have been set free. That's how God the Father sees you. That's why he takes delight in you. God's law is no longer your jailer or babysitter. Instead, God's law points you towards Christ, where you will find forgiveness, life, and salvation. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.